I'm Leslie Rowe, and I'm one of the pastors here, and this is Josh Robinson. He also is. True. And if you were here last week, uh, you know that Josh and I preached together, and he, I went first, and then he went second, and it was super long. So he and I have never preached together before, so we talked about it this week, and we were like, okay, we need to tweak things. So don't let it scare you, but today we're both going to be up here at the same time. So hopefully what will happen is that we both will have trimmed way down what we have to say. And if one of us is getting long-winded, the other one can say, it's time to stop. Yeah. Okay? And we are going to preach simultaneously. So we're hoping that yeah. your, your brain can kind of just figure it out after the fact. You yeah. know? And like, it's yeah. all going to get in there, and you can kind of separate it back out later. Yeah. You know? so. yeah. But we're glad you're here this morning. Last week, we started talking about our mission and our vision. And this week, we're going to dive into our values. And we actually decided to do this in two separate uh, weeks. So today, we're going to do three. And next week, we'll do three more. Um, but we do this every like semester-ish, sort of, so that people will be reminded of where it is we're going, what it is we're doing, what's important to us as a church family, what are we really trying to accomplish. And so that's why we're taking the time to do this. In his book, The Deeply Formed Life, Rich Belotus says, the troubling reality is that believers can be deeply committed to being Christian without ever being deeply formed by Christ. We're on a journey to become like Jesus. We're his apprentices. And we've been using that word in particular because it's easier for us to understand what an apprentice is than even what it meant to be a disciple when Jesus used that word. And so we've been looking at how do we become like Jesus? How do we apprentice under him? And so we want to be with Jesus, we want to be like Jesus, and we want to do what Jesus did. So we've been looking at his life in our sermon series, in our small groups, to see how he lived, what he practiced, who he was, so that we can be formed by him. And that's why in our small groups and in our sermon series, we're studying practices like prayer and scripture and Sabbath. We talked about our history. Oh, I already said that. Sorry, got out of place. And so what are values even? Values are our core principles. They're our standards of conduct against which we measure our actions and our decisions. And they're the behaviors we value above all others. We want, they're the behaviors that are gonna help us to fulfill our mission, to make and mature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. And they're the behaviors that will help us become a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed, which is our vision. We don't want it to be said of us what Rich Velotis said in his quote. We don't want it to be said that we call ourselves Christians, but we've never been deeply formed by Jesus. And so that is why we want to talk about our mission, vision, and values, and that's where we're going to start. The overall goal of this is how do we use our values to make us like Jesus? How do we learn who he was and be like him? 
and hopefully the values that we have chosen will get us there. The one thing I will say about our values is we wanted to keep them short so people could remember them, but it doesn't mean it's an exhaustive list. We obviously have some values that are not gonna be on this list today. And maybe at some point we'll go, okay, we're really good at this one. We can take it off the list and we're gonna put this one on the list and focus on it for a while. So Josh is gonna start us off with simple devotion to Jesus. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah, this one is one that I had the, by far the most thoughts on. So if I'm long-winded, it's going to be about this one. So sorry about that. This one's like, we call it like our umbrella value. And you can probably see why. It's like so many things about what we value as a community are going to fall under this. And it doesn't look like this equal list of equally valuing that and simple devotion to Jesus. That's why we bolded it, you know. It's this umbrella over all of them. Simple, intentionally broad, not a constitution, not a statement of faith that really has like you know, a bunch of paragraphs to it. Uh, people are devoted to Jesus. They call Jesus Lord and King, then, and they aim to live their life his way and follow him. Uh, then they're essentially on our team. We're doing the same thing here. Uh, we might have different flavors of how we live our lives, different songs that we sing, but we want to say that simple devotion to Jesus is this really unifying value that we have with other believers all around the world. Um, it leaves room for some disagreement, but I'll tell you what it's not trying to do. It leaves some room for that, not getting into nitty-gritty and everything, but it's not simple devotion to a version of Jesus I prefer. It's not simple devotion to the things Jesus said that align with the views I want to hold. It's not simple devotion to a Jesus that fits with our current culture that's a little bit better and a little less rough around the edges. Um, or it's not simple devotion to Jesus once a week or at other specific times that benefit me and kind of are convenient with my schedule. Simple devotion to Jesus, the living, breathing person of Jesus not deduced to just a specific selection of texts or a list of morals extracted from his teachings that that are man-made or traditions passed down for tradition's sake, not knocking that stuff at all, but our devotion must be to Jesus himself as a person, the son of the living God, and that's why we care so much about what he says and does because we are devoted to him as a human being, as a person, as God. And then what he does and says, the record we have of that in the Gospels means the world to us because of that. And that's also why we like the word simple, because it's not complicated. You know, it wasn't that, that difficult to explain. But when we complicate it, we can actually turn following him into like this human-made system, a template that's sort of devoid of relationship, devoid of love. Have you ever caught wind of that or seen that or maybe even been in a version of faith yourself that's kind of like that? It's just a system, and it's not love. It's not relationship with Jesus. We don't want to do that. We don't want to turn into a system like that. It's, it's simple devotion to him. As simple as realizing that you're not perfect. You can't make yourself perfect. It's as simple as realizing Jesus is the best person to be devoted to and doing our best to live our lives like him and for him. Pretty simple. Make sense? During Jesus' ministry in the Gospels, um, who tended to get what he was all about? Do you remember if you've read those stories? Was it the people with a lot of knowledge who had access to the best education growing up? Who knew the law the best? spoke with the big words and eloquence and knew how to ask these strategically hard questions. Was it those people? <laughs> no, it was not. They were by far the most confused by him. Like, not even just a little bit missing it. They were completely lost. Other groups of people were a lot more tuned into what Jesus was going for. Not because they knew more about everything, but because they knew they needed him. Right? They had one simple thing Pharisees and other folks did not have. They knew they needed him. They weren't under an illusion of pride that they had it all figured out on their own. When someone came along and had good news for them, they wanted it. They needed it. They knew they needed this from him. 
I was thinking about my uncle um, who just got baptized at 64 years old uh, because he found a cowboy church. I do, I do not know what a cowboy church is. Don't ask me to describe what they do in detail. I'm, I was kind of looking at John because I thought he might be like, yep, I know what it is. But, nope. So, yeah, you've been, okay, yeah, yeah. So I don't know all the details, but here's what I do know. I just know that he felt welcome there. Jesus was explained in a way that made sense to him and helped him realize his need for him. He realized his need for him, and now he's closer to Jesus than he's ever been. And not just because this is the, the clothes I like or the, the songs I like. Jesus was explained in a way that made sense to him. And he's like, I get this, and boy, do I need him. Sounds like simple devotion to Jesus to me. So this, this scripture came to mind for me, which you could use it to talk about love of God's word. But I really like uh, putting it here. In John 6, there's this situation where a bunch of people um, are hearing Jesus teach, and they're discouraged, and they leave because they don't understand it. And Jesus just asks the disciples, like, are you guys going to leave too? And Simon Peter says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. He does say words of eternal life, but what I think he's really meaning there, because he says you have them, he's really like, I'm attached to you. I'm not going anywhere that you don't go. I'm not going to follow somebody else. We have, we've heard, we've believed, you are the one who has these words of eternal life. No one else has it. Where else would I go? Why else would I follow something else? So I wish I could say simple also means easy, but it doesn't. Devotion's big. Devotion's denying ourselves. Devotion's obedience. Devotion is hard, um, but it is simple. Jesus makes it as simple as possible, and certainly much simpler than we make it a lot of the time. You know, we're the ones who do the complicating. Come to me, lay your burdens on me. Whoever lets go of their life will save it. Follow me, do what I've shown you and commanded you. Love God, love your neighbor. A bunch of his most key commands are pretty simple to understand. They're just hard to do. And it's this umbrella value over our other values because um, we're talking about Jesus himself as a person. And so all these values are things we want to come from Jesus, the way he's lived his life, the, the things that he exemplified to us. These things come from Jesus. They're things that he's shown to have valued. They're not exhaustive, like Leslie was saying, um, but they, they need to find their roots in Jesus because our biggest value, our umbrella value is simple devotion to Jesus. So Josh and I have not compared what we were going to say. We've not talked about it. And I have a lot of similar thoughts, and so I'll skip over the ones that kind of are the same as his. But I was thinking about where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were with Jesus, and uh, they were serving, they were having dinner. And so Martha's getting everything. She wants everything to be perfect, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him. And Martha says... Lord, don't you care that my sister's not helping me, that I'm having to do all this by myself? And Jesus says this, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Simple devotion to Jesus is about the one thing. Jesus is the one thing. And so that's all we need. And if we're devoted to Jesus, it takes care of everything else. That's why it's our umbrella value. If we're devoted to Jesus, we will be a warm community. If we're devoted to Jesus, we will love God's word. 
if we're devoted to Jesus, we will grow leaders for Christ's kingdom. Not for our church, not for our city, but for Christ's kingdom. It belongs to him. We will form deep relationships. We will reach out every day to people that we come in contact with and be a blessing to them and point them to Jesus, the answer. And it's because that's what Jesus did. That's who Jesus is. And if we're his apprentices, then we're going to do the same thing. Like Josh said, it's the simplest thing we will ever do, but the hardest thing we will ever do. Simple does not equal easy, but it's not complicated. And I'm reminded of Matthew 11:28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is simple devotion to Jesus. It's simple, not easy, but simple. And so that leads into our next value, which is warm community. Warm community is being full of expressive worshipers, affectionate people lovers, and interested and invested in people. And I wanna go back to the Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, only I wanna take a look at not a specific thing from scripture, but how I imagine that they may have interacted together. And I imagine that because of some of the glimpses we get in scripture of what this looked like. So it says in John eleven five that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. One commentary that I read said, we cannot understand how much their home was to him with its confidence, its warmth, its shelter, and its tender affection. And so here's what I imagine an interaction between them might look like. Would anyone like more to eat? Asked Martha. Please, no more, they all moaned. That was so good, said Lazarus. You always show off when this guy is here, he said as he motioned toward Jesus. Dude, do you remember the time you came to our house and Martha went off on Mary? I did not go off on her, Lazarus. I was just a little annoyed, said Martha. A little annoyed, Jesus chuckled. Come on, Martha. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? <laughs> Mimicked Mary. They all laughed. You all know it had been a while since we'd seen Jesus, and I was so excited to have him and the disciples at the house. I wanted everything to be perfect, and that takes a lot of work, Martha said in defense. Martha, you know I always enjoy being at your house. You're the best hostess in all of Bethany. Make that in all of Judea. Being here is so restful, and your food is delicious. Thank you, Martha said, blushing a little at his compliment. I really was so mad at Mary that day. But as you always do, you corrected me in that sweet, gentle, but direct way you have. You don't let me get by with anything, and I really appreciate that. I know what you mean, Martha. He wouldn't even let me stay dead, Lazarus said. <laughs> Lazarus, that is not funny, replied Mary. Jesus, thank you for giving Lazarus back to us, even though he's a smart aleck. All of you have been great friends to me. 
being able to just drop in at any time for a meal and a place to sleep, having a place to bring others and know they will be welcomed and treated special means a lot to me. Your friendship is a safe place. This spreading out his arms is a safe place. He stops for a minute and then quips, except that one time when there was a ghost running around and they all laughed. <laughs> That's warm community. And I specifically chose the setting of their home because a lot of times when we think about warm community, we think about Sunday morning only. And Sunday morning is a big part of warm community, but it is not by any means the only part of warm community. It's the places we live. It's our small groups. It's when we see each other at a restaurant. It's showing up for funerals and weddings. It's showing up at someone's house when they're hurting or when they're celebrating. It's in our workplaces. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our gyms. It's people feeling welcome, that sense of belonging you have when you see people that are your community. Yeah. A safe place, a friendship, expressing our love for Jesus together, being interested in and invested in people. Mm -hmm. Do you think from reading scripture that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were invested in Jesus and in people? How do you know? How do you know? What do you see? What did they do? You're asking. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they rushed over to him to let him greet him every time he came. Yes, they were always so happy to see him and, and showed that. They didn't hold that back. There was welcoming people that he had with him. Yes, Jesus most of the time was with the 12 at least and probably more. And they welcomed all of those people in and they usually fed all of them as well as long as Jesus was with them. What else do you see? Leading up togetherness, they were always together. Yeah, they were always together and they spent time together and they spent time with Jesus. They let, they let Jesus and each other correct and rebuke so that they could be better, and they worshiped together. That's what warm community is. And Josh and I both believe that we have grown tremendously in warm community over the last two years. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. There's still plenty of room to grow. But even on a Sunday morning when we look around, what do you see? I'll tell you what I see. I see hugs. I see affection towards people. I see people singing and lifting their hands in worship. I see people introducing themselves to new people and making sure that they're sitting with a community group when we break up and do community sharing. I see people helping set up and clean up and all the other things. I see people praying with other people. I see people inviting them to small groups, sharing the scripture with them, sitting with someone so they won't have to sit by themselves, bringing coffee to someone, asking someone to go to lunch with them, staying until Josh and I kick you out, playing with the kids, holding the babies, taking time to talk with Miss Betty up at the front. And that's just on a Sunday morning. That doesn't include what goes on throughout the week. I think warm community looks like family. 
And I think we're starting to look like a family and feel like a family. And so good job, keep the good work up. Because as I say those things, I'm well aware that there's a few people sitting in the audience that go, that's not been my experience. We wanna make sure that that's everybody's experience. We don't want people to fall through the cracks. So let's keep looking for ways that we can improve. One way that um, I think we can do better is when people are giving testimonies or sharing things for community sharing. I love that it's so quiet in the room because it tells me that people feel the importance of it and are listening, but also it's really quiet in the room a lot of times when people are sharing. They need to hear some feedback. They need to hear some amen, some yes, that's good, that's right. And not in a, a fake contrived way, but in a way that I'm really tracking with you. Like I hear what you're saying, it's important. I appreciate you sharing it with us. So that's one area that I think we could all think about. How can we better support the people that are sharing such deep things from their heart so that they'll want to do that again and so that other people aren't looking and going, oh, I'm never doing that. We want to encourage our body in that way. Amen. Grant. <laughs> And I just want to add to that too, like we had talked about this a couple times, and I remember one specific time that we were doing community sharing, and Lenore was over here, and she shared something really good, and the people right next to her were like doing a really good job, and like, hmm, that's good. Just a couple things. And then, but the rest of the church, totally dead silent. And if I was her, I don't know how she actually thought, if I was her, I would not do it again next time. <laughs> I just would think, you know what, no one else got it, my buddies got it, but I'll just tell them next time. I'm not going to share it with the whole church, but I think it was great that we all heard it. And so I want to be like, I want to make sure Lenore knows I'm so glad that she shared that. And I got it, you know. Or this she is. I, Lenore, sorry. Didn't mean to pick on you. I didn't see you at the front, so I was like, maybe she's not here. I'll say it anyway. But anyway, I got what you were saying. But I think that's, there's something we can do about that. That it's just, it's out of, it's a little uncomfortable, but it gets more normal the more we do it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really simple. It could even be like not a verbal thing. You can just nod and be like, yeah, I'm really getting this. You don't have to feel like you're interrupting somebody just to, let them know that. But that is a huge, it goes a long way. A lot of us are sharing from different places where we're not someone who's super comfortable doing that, but we feel like the Holy Spirit told us to say something that day or share something, community sharing that happened that week that we feel is relevant. And some of us, not at all phased by no feedback at all. Others of us, it's hard. We don't want to do it. We feel like we should have. We feel like we should share. And then we don't get the feedback that makes it feel like we probably should have done it. And I'm not going to do it next time because I didn't feel like it really actually mattered, you know? And we, we know that hearing from each other matters. Yeah. We know that hearing what's going on in each other's lives matters. And we sometimes, the simplest, shortest thing that happened in somebody's week is like the best good news little tidbit that's said all day. And something that's a long-winded sermon, you know, maybe it's pretty good. But what someone shared, a community sharing, that, that God revealed to them that week, way better. So we just, we know that to be the case. So let's act like it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and some of you guys do a great job of that, so I'm not, you know, I'm just, I think that's something we can grow in for sure. One of the, the scriptures that first came to mind for me about warm community is just what Jesus says in John 13. I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, you love one another. The way that we love each other out of a place of being loved by God, being loved by Jesus, and loving him should look different and be notable. Even if it's not sure, people aren't exactly sure what they're seeing. 
it should be obvious a little bit that the way we love each other matters. We see at least an example of this in the first church in Acts. That church wasn't perfect. We get a description of just what things were going on there that seemed like moral community to me. Gathering, sharing, eating, drinking, learning, praising, praying, devoting to the teachings of the disciples, and God adding to their numbers daily. Adding to their numbers daily. Because I think when we have a warm community and it's driven by God's love, not just, you know, some cool, hip kind of stuff that we've got going on or whatever, it's magnetic. It's a different environment because it's not us creating it. It's attractive, it's peaceful, it's loving, it's the way Jesus worked. People were drawn to him by the way that he lived and, and treated people. Poor people, rich people, tax collectors, lepers, centurions, thieves, fishermen, zealots. He was able to, by his love and the environment he created, the warmth he had, attract people of all sorts and kinds who wanted to be around him. It takes all of us to create that environment, and not just one, two, or three of us. Um, it takes all of us to do that. It's, we can't just depend on the Jesses and the Tates and the Aarons and Sean's and Vianettes and Devons and Nates and Brittany's and Clarissa's and Claudia's and Ricardo's and Stephen Lowe's. And I only let myself write however many I could say in one breath. Um, there's a lot of you guys that do that, but we can't depend on those people to do it. Um, we have to help. We have to all do that. We'll never be perfect at this, and we'll fail regularly, but we must try because everyone's invited to be part of the family of God. Everyone's invited. God made a way for each of us to belong here, and we just got here a little earlier than somebody else, but our belonging is because of God, because of Jesus, and everyone has an equal reason and invitation to also be part of the family of God. And so we need to at least try our best to make sure they feel that way, and we won't nail it, but we have to keep trying over and over and over. Um, I'm going to move us on to talking about a love of God's word next. Uh, you'll notice that we're kind of going out of order. I just sent this last second to Drew so you could see them. But the three we're doing are some devotion, warm community, love of God's word, and the other three will be next week. Um, we're not, we're not um, accidentally going out of order. Um, so talking about love of God's word is just, I think, the simple start that came to my mind first is just that one of the absolute best ways to know the Father, to know Jesus, is to read his word. He's given us a lot already, right out of the gate. And it's not to build up knowledge, or not because you should. It's not, you shouldn't feel guilty about doing that, and that's why you should do it. But to know God, to know Jesus, that should be our motivation. And I think this really helps underline simple devotion, because to have simple devotion to Jesus, to follow his lead, we have to know him. We have to know what he's like. And I don't need to tell you how impossible it is to just follow Jesus' example on your own, sort of off book, without knowing like how he lived and what he did. You'll need to depend heavily on Jesus, and you'll need to return to God's word to remind yourself what he's like often. It won't be something you can just memorize and then never need to go back to and hope that you do a great. It's okay for us to return to it. We're not storing up knowledge. We are reminding ourselves of who God is, what Jesus is like over and over and over. We absolutely need him to change our hearts and do that over and over and continually to to make that progress in us. It's not a one-time thing. And that's why loving God's word is so important. We need to love it, love getting to know God, love spending time with him, love each little new thing that we might learn that day. Um, I referenced the same psalm last week, but I just want to say it again because I think it's one of the best descriptors of loving God's word, the joy of those who delight in the instruction of the Lord, who meditate on it day and night. They're like trees planted firmly near the river, bearing fruit and never withering. This is how the psalmist talks about God's word and God's ways. It's like loving it is not just this like, I'm really studious and I love to analyze the blah, blah, blah. Like, that's fine too. But it's like a tree planted firmly in something that lasts, that helps sustain us in our lives. It is knowing God and being connected to him through his word. 
It's a big deal. And that's an, um, that description is way easier, I think, of a route to be like, yeah, I love this. I want to love this. Instead of just a really like analytical, studious kind of way. And I'm not knocking that, but it is about knowing God, not about knowing about him. Does that make sense? So I think that love of God's word when we pick that is, um, is a, a meant to really distinguish that. In, in that um, psalm, it says delight in the instruction of God. It's not just like tolerate or occasionally consult when I'm really in a bind. It's to love it and delight in it. And I think also it's not a great motivator to be like, I know so little, I should know more. I'm behind everybody else. If you're feeling that way, I don't think that's the best motivator, and I don't want you to feel that way. I don't want that to be the reason why you want to read more of God's Word, because you feel like you might be behind everybody else. The goal is not to accomplish the knowing part. The goal is not to accomplish the knowing part. It's to be a student of God's Word and not to graduate. We're in it to approach God with earnestness and humility with a desire to learn about Him, and not to become someone who knows much. We want to stay in that space of humility and learning, not to become a knower or expert. Does that make sense? We will be, and God will turn us into that, but that's not our goal. We're not trying to arrive at a destination. We want to be his students and approach the word with humility, being like, you know, God, what do you want to teach me today? How can I know you a little bit more today? That's something we don't want to lose. Do you see the difference between those two approaches? The one who wants knowledge, the one who just wants to humbly learn from God. One's motivated because they want to already know or feel like they should, Others want to learn. Don't want to be an expert, or don't be intimidated by the prospect and maybe be discouraged because you're not one. You just have to want to be a learner, to be a student of our Rabbi Jesus, to want to sit at his feet and receive what he wants to teach you that day. That's, that's what it means to love God's word. And I think one way we can definitely grow in this um, that I feel like is odd that it's missing from a lot of just adult ministry in general, that, in my experience, it's just studying the Bible together, reading the Bible together. And when you're hanging out with somebody, spending part of the time that you're together reading the Bible and talking about it. This is something I think that we, we naturally do about other things. We love other things, and we decide, Ryan, I know we're hanging out, but can I show you this YouTube video? <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. And we don't have to turn it into this, like, you know, this is what we've spent all our time doing. But I am surprised how little time is spent when believers are hanging out together studying, reading, discussing God's word together. And I just think that's something we can grow in, you know? And maybe you're someone who, it, that's, that didn't describe you, and you did that a lot. I'm not trying to, to guilt you or, or make a blanket statement. But this is something that really needs to be part of our interactions and our time together, our hangouts. If we love God's word, we, we feel like it matters. And I think one of the things that most of us have experienced if we are followers of Jesus is that studying God's word and forming friendships are not mutually exclusive. Let me say that again. Is there someone you studied God's word with that you did not become their friend? At least in some way. And many of us, I think some of our best friends are because we studied God's word with them at some point. If you're in focus and you've done FOJ, um, that is something that happens all the time. It's not like we're going to spend our time studying God's word instead of building a friendship. I think God works those together to become close spiritual friendships when we love God's word together and study it together. And I don't mean to set these massive goals like, okay, we're hanging out every other week. Let's get through the entire Bible by next spring, something like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying involve it in our friendships and our daily lives. I think you'll be surprised at how relevant it is, how helpful it is, how interesting it is to talk about how it's not um, a detour from friendship to do that. Okay, sorry, rant over. (laughs) So, 
when, okay, so Josh and Emily's son, Ezra, who's three now, when he was a baby, Kurt and I were watching him for a longer period of time, like it wasn't just an hour or two. I can't remember why we were doing that. I just remember we did. And what I really remember is that Josh and Emily left us pages of notes about Ezra. They told us where the diapers were, what to do with the dirty diaper, what snacks he liked to eat, that he liked to rock and read two books before he went to sleep, what he wore to bed, what toys he liked to play with, where all the clothes were, what time he would do this and what time he would do that. They told us everything about him so that we would know what to do for him. What do you think would have happened if we had just ignored the notes that they gave us? Just didn't read them. Well, I can tell you a couple of things. The first one is that they would have come home to a very unhappy Ezra. <laughs> That's the first thing. The second thing is that we would have been uninvited to ever keep Ezra again. <laughs> but they took the time so that we would know him and know what he liked. And God does the same thing with scripture. He tells us who he is. He lets us know him, who he's been all throughout history. How do we just say, I'm not gonna read that? Yeah, it's hard sometimes. It's hard to figure some things out, but there's a lot of it that's really simple. And it's hard because we don't wanna do it. We don't wanna live like Jesus lived. In Hosea 4, 6, it says, well, actually throughout the book of Hosea, it says several times, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And it also uses the phrase, a people without understanding come to ruin. And if you do a little bit of um, digging, you find out that that word knowledge and that word understanding is more than just intellectual. It includes intellectual, but it's more than that. It's about experiencing God through relationship. And it's the difference, like Josh said, between knowing about someone and actually knowing someone. God wanted people to know him and to experience him. So not only did he want them to know he is love, he wants them to experience his love and their relationship with him. He doesn't want people just to know he is faithful. He wants them to experience his faithfulness in his relationship with them. Scripture is one of the ways we get to know God. It's not the only way, but it's an important way. And it helps us to know that God's ultimate purpose is to heal and to save and to experience that as we grow in our relationship with him. Our love of God's word will develop from our love of God as we get to know him through his word and experience him. We cannot be apprentices and not read his word. We cannot be apprentices and not read his word. How will we know what pleases him? How will we know how faithful he's always been? How will we know that he never changes? How will we know how to love like him? How will we know that he never lies and always keeps his promises? Scripture itself says that it's alive and active. It's useful for correcting, rebuking, teaching, training, encouraging, giving hope. 
Scripture is something that we have to have a love for if we have a love for our God and to develop a love for our God and to get to know our God. He took the time to write it for us, to have it written for us, to preserve it for us. And we need to take the time to know him through what he's already told us about himself. That's good. Those are all the thoughts that we have in terms of these three values. But I wanted to close by kind of challenging you guys in two ways. The first, so the ones we talked about today, just think about those at the moment. So simple devotion to Jesus, warm community, love of God's word. One thing I want you to do is take some time this week to think about who has exemplified one, two, or three of those things to you really well? Who has kind of shown what this looks like in our community to you? Uh, it doesn't have to be one person doing all three. It could be different people you've thought of for each of them. But just think about who has really helped our community to grow in these things and help make this a norm in our community. And just be grateful to that person and to what God's been doing in their life and the way that they make these things part of our community and show that we value them. That's one thing. That's the first thing. So write down who exemplifies these, those three values and be grateful and thankful for them. And um, whatever God puts in your heart while you're thinking of that, you can just kind of let explore that a little bit. The second thing is to ask yourself the question, what, in what ways can you help our community uphold and grow in these values? So the first is thanking people who have exemplified it. Second is how can you uphold and grow, help our community uphold and grow in these values what way can you do that? What way could you do more? What way could you um, change a little bit of how you approach certain things? What ways can you grow in that? But not first for your own sake, because we are talking about trying to make these things norms in our community. And many of these things benefit each other a ton. So I'm not just wanting you to reflect on like, and get into a spot where you're guilting yourself for not reading the Bible too much or enough or whatever. But what ways can you help our community grow in these things? Ways you can help other people as well. Does that question make sense? So that's our assignment for this week. And then when we talk about the uh, next three values next week, you can think about those and, and reflect on those too. But this kind of trims the list a little bit. I'm going to say a short prayer, and then we'll transition to announcements. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for just, um, just your son, for Jesus and the way that he lived, and for, um, for just these values that you've placed on our heart as a church. And um, yeah, they are, they are difficult, and many of us are recipients of just how life-changing your love is and how your people listening to you and living uh, the way that you call us to makes a huge difference. Um, I'm a direct recipient of that, and that is how I know you and how I've come to follow you and love you. Uh, Lord, help us to grow in the things you want us to. Help us to get uncomfortable in the ways you want us to. Help us as individuals and as a community to become the church you want us to be. Uh, we are one of many churches all loving, serving you here in this city. Help us to become the church you want us to be, the, the piece of the puzzle that you want us to fit in for what our city needs. Um, and help us just not to be in the way of what you're doing. Um, I just pray you'd help each of us as individuals to, to grow in these values in the ways that we need to, and that our community as a whole would see fruit and growth and change in the ways you want us to. And uh, help us just to be encouraging to each other when we see warm community, when we see love of God's word, when we see simple devotion, we see any of these things and others that we encourage it and shout it out and help us to become yeah, a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. And uh, just thank you for what you've done in our community already. There's so much each of us as individuals and our church 
together is a reflection of just what you are doing and the way that you transform people's lives. Um, I just, we ask all these things knowing that we are so dependent on you. We need you so, so much. Everything we try to do, every idea we have, um, we are useless without you. Please be with us in every single way, and we love you. And I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.